0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Hey everyone, uh, before we get started here, do you remember the joy and spirit of Peter Pan? Yeah, well, there's a place where you don't have to grow up, even though the world tells you to. And that place is... You guessed it. It's Walt Disney World. It's tough being an adult. I know this and so do you probably. But at Walt Disney World, you can put the adulting on pause and let the everyday stresses of life disappear, which sounds really good, even like sometimes now before a podcast episode. There's so much cool stuff you can do at Walt Disney World after hours, including a crawl of some of the best in-park dining options. If the world tells you to grow up at Disney World, listen, you don't have to. WDW is the perfect escape for millennials. Yeah, that's right, you weirdos. There's an entirely new way to experience it as an adult without kids. That's right, without kids. From cool drinking options to the excitement of after-hours events. You can find your happy place right here at WDW. And don't expect your standard carnival food here. Disney World has so many high-quality food options to choose from with flavors from all over the globe, like Jiko in the Animal Kingdom filled with vibrant spices Crackling wood burning ovens and boutique South African wines that transport you to the heart of Africa. Quite honestly, I've never been to Africa, but I want to go to Jico because that sounds pretty amazing. Jasmine, we're going to have to head over there. There There's so many cool attractions and characters that bring your childhood to life and new experiences that you can appreciate as an adult. You can relive the nostalgia of Disney or create some new memories of your own. So uh, do what Jasmine and I are going to do actually next week and head on over to Walt Disney World. Uh, for a new experience, maybe without kids. Uh, And until then, though, uh, check out this podcast, The NRA Show in Austin, Texas. Uh, we're home. Yeah. Obviously we're home because yeah. uh uh th- my mother in law, Sally, just walked out of the room uh with a big peanut butter sandwich. Glab- heading glab into glab the uh butter. room with the girls and we have a uh daughter <laughs> with a peanut allergy. Yeah. So <laughs> these are these are the things that these are the things that happen when it's real life and um you have an uh and you're a podcaster. Right, and you're and just you have, trying to squeeze it in. And so you're much. trying to squeeze in a cold open for a podcast that we recorded. Or like Richard couple. just told
1: me that we had to shoot you know, we had to record 15 minutes in the next two hours. And I was like, what?
0: I know. You are not, you're not incredibly enthused for this moment. I am not, I
1: am not a on the spot. I'm not on the spot like that. I, I, can't, I, I can't do it.
0: I know. You don't like... Listen, I mean, it, it, sometimes uh. there's just bad times for everything. I mean, that was a sigh. <laughs> I like it. Um, but I, I think the authenticity of it actually really, really works. Once we, get, once we can um, make Chad happy on Apple Podcasts, I think it's a Chad who uh just does not he just really just continues to blast us for audio. He keeps yeah. giving us five stars. I really appreciate it. Chad. it. Yeah. He's the man. And like it's, we know there's some struggles that we have. These
1: are these are just like real life. It's real life. Like we're literally recording well right now at our our dining room table. Um but sometimes it's like a closet or a strange room at a gym or you know it just there's no consistency and that's partly because of of our schedules it's just it's hard hard
0: <laughs> the struggle is real but we hear you and uh we're always working on those <laughs> things Get and it. this should be good because we, we have this we do have professional mics by the way <laughs> there know. is uh, that was the great so here's the thing so the i think well, it's chad or but, it was a larry well we
1: have professional mics
0: except for the last, episode, last episode when we had a splitter Jeez, guys.
1: sorry about last week <laughs> You guys got a little bit of like a mukbang uh, video from me. Uh, I was wearing um, my nine-year-old's headphones. <laughs> you were so because, basically Fisher Price headphones. Well, because we're sitting there and we're like, okay, we got to do a Skype, and we've got to both be on headphones because you know the mics are nice at least on headphones for Skype instead of just screaming into your computer. And we didn't have a splitter, so I remembered. I mean, it was pretty stroke of genius, genius. Honestly. Very MacGyver. Of my you. kids' headphones have like the ability to daisy chain like between each other so if you know one there's one ipad that two kids can watch whatever show is on there it's genius smart whoever developed those headphones genius so grab those headphones put them on and then hooked richard's just normal headphones into it but didn't know that the quality of the head, the microphone on those headphones is like I don't know what. Do you and think?
0: we thought, and, and we, we thought it was Chad Mitten who was our guest. And Heather kept texting us <laughs> during right. the podcast. There's this weird scratchy noise. It must be from Chad. And
1: I think it was the cord.
0: It was like the cord like scratching up. Every time up. it
1: moved, and I kind of realized that the cord was making noise because I could hear it in my ear. So I had to hold it still which made the mic I think too close to my mouth I think is what was going on
0: I did but you're right you mentioned it it had God, that sorry, hashtag mukbang quality to it yeah which we have to do an audio yeah. uh, video of a mukbang situation which we also should really figure out what it means you
1: gotta find so someone if you know it's Korean
0: with. if you know what mukbang means because I heard something we this could, week I was on set we with have Artie Sequeira Korean friends we could I know, just we ask, have to them ask them, them. uh and Artie Sequera told me that it's not really for the video part of it. It's really for the actual person who's eating the food to hear the crunch in their headphones and the How slurp does in their headphones. Artie Sequera knows. Artie Sequera, you got to jump Is she on as well. She's
1: deep in the, in the mukbang world. She that knew we what, don't know.
0: Obviously. <laughs> The, you, I mean, if we can find those video files, yeah, that'll right. be real. There'll be a, people who will pay a lot of money for those right. things. But I'm really obsessed also with this on the because dark I, web. I also, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know that I also like really like to eat a lot of food. We talked about intermittent fasting a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So like mukbang has all of the things that I really like, like eating a whole lot of food and having a camera on myself.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> like this yeah. could
0: really work. The podcast is called "Starving for Attention,"
1: and it's absolutely true. the The, the funny part of that name is that when it. When we, whoever thought of it, I don't know who, who came, came, came up with it, but Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're good. Thanks for reminding me. Um, so when I came up with that name, um, our whole team, I'm pretty sure like, what is that? R O T F L. Yeah. Rolled on the floor and laughed like they died. Like everybody that knows you well enough just fell out and died.
0: Right, but <laughs> I, it, it's, it's really that the guests or the topics are the things that are starving that is. for attention. But
1: the way it sounds when it says Richard Blaze is starving for true. attention is funny. True, um, true. it's and more Richard Blaze is accurate. starving for attention. Right.
0: Um, well, this is going to be uh, an interesting open because here's the fact. Here, here's truth. Here's reality. Here's the struggle. We had about four podcasts that we were trying to record last week and I did something that I've never done in like the 12 years that I've been hustling as a whatever, food uh, entertainer, celebrity, chef, whatever, I double booked myself. Yeah. My team somehow let me down.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, someone should have picked up on it. But now
1: you've done it like twice in a week. Something's
0: and now I've done it on. twice in a week. I'm, yeah. I'm getting old, I think is part of it. Yeah, a bad juju on and you. And I'm just trying to hustle so much. And I think that's another part of it. I need to take a step back and just chill out a little bit. Yeah, you gotta breathe. I do have you to breathe. breathe. You
1: gotta, I've you downloaded
0: go. a meditation app. I downloaded Calm. <laughs> that's the first step. We're going to get into some of the, the tech stuff later on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no affiliation with them. But I'm, it, it is a first step. You know, the yoga is always something. The running, I try and do it. But uh, I double booked myself. And we were heading to New York where we were going to do a podcast with the Top Chef Junior uh, finalists. Yeah, and right. we also had teenage chef phenom. sensation, yeah. phenom, Flynn McGarry. Um, although uh, I don't even know. Is he still a teenager? That's just like, sort of been his title, but he's, he's opening be. up a restaurant yeah. in New York. Uh, we had Kenji Lopez uh, out in San Francisco who's opening up a restaurant like today well, pretty much. Yeah, that's cool. um, and we had all, of, and then who else was going to get? There's someone else I was going to grab in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, Justin Warner, right. Rocco Dispirito. Right, right, These right. are all people I had lined up to record with eat, right. last week, and then I double booked myself. The schedule got thrown into a blender. And then you ruined it. I ruined everything. (laughs) I totally... Everybody
1: was sad. Everybody. I blazed it, which means,
0: you know, just blowing it at the end and choking pretty much. Totally. Um, And yet everyone was sad. So we're going to get all of those people back on the pod, but we have to sort of realign. Um, And so today's podcast is actually going to be a live show... Hold on to that one person who is getting ready to turn, uh, turn <laughs> it off because uh, a few of you have told me they're not your favorite episodes of the live shows. This one's a little different. This was a keynote I gave uh, in Austin, Texas at the NRA, the National Restaurant Association. Yeah, it's where, good to make that um, Yeah, clear. not rifle association. Yeah. Um, but this was just about sort of uh, to open up their weekend of brainstorming and just covers a lot in the food tech space. Um, so I think it'll be fun. I don't even remember what I really said, um, but it definitely dives into a lot of um, you know hot topics in the tech world that I think are also going to uh, leak over and slide into the food world, right? Yeah. Uh, and everyone who listens to this podcast, Jasmine, they know that we're sort of big tech people. If you remember the first couple episodes in season one, right. if there were seasons on this show. I
1: want seasons.
0: We should have seasons. Let's I go know. back and number them. No. Well, season one, we did a lot of these like or sort of- at least of, number them. Uh, fake ads.
1: Yeah, at least number them. I
0: we think. should number them. I like yeah. that too. Right. Because then it's like episode blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, we did nuts We did the Dutch. We have a lot of these ideas that sort of are these tech ideas. I think like uh, most uh, young at heart people- we're always thinking, trying to think about the next big idea. So this is going to be a keynote that I gave in Austin, Texas. But Jasmine, yeah, as your husband, right? Uh, Valentine's Day is is tomorrow. Quite honestly, right? I and um, yeah. it's I don't, I can't say that we're you know we have a lot of Valentine's Day experiences, but you know Valentine's <laughs> Day is tomorrow. This is sort of my Valentine's Day gift for you. Oh. This fifteen <laughs> minutes.
1: Well, I think it's more than last year, so that's good.
0: Oh! <laughs> That is an absolute it's burn, but true. also the truth. Well, listen, especially this year, you're not... Tell people what you've been doing for the last, like, three weeks. You're not eating... Oh,
1: gosh. You want to get into that? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> much... Let's... Uh, you know, I'm pretty much... Um, I, I keep saying vegan, but it's not true because I am eating eggs because, good Lord, I need some protein. Um, But... um, So, pretty much vegan except for eggs. Um, No soy, no dairy, no sugar... No gluten, no caffeine, no flowers of any kind. Caffeine is not Although, strictly okay. prohibited, but I don't really nice. drink caffeine anyways. So that's
0: true. That would be an issue um, for me. Yeah, no dairy. But no sugar, no dairy, no, yeah. f- no, no uh, wheat.
1: So it's like mostly vegetables and nuts.
0: It is. <laughs> there, I mean, it, there's a lot of vegetables and nuts laying around the house. Yeah, um, I think
1: I ate too many nuts. Like I'm I I pretty a- sure. I need to look it up. If there's like a, a toxicity level for nuts it yesterday, I think is. I ate too many cashews. Oh,
0: I wonder what that would be. I'm
1: feeling a little funny. <laughs>
0: Um, so uh, the reason I was saying this is one, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, you look great. You always look great. But
1: you don't need to get me any chocolate. Is that what you're saying? But
0: I can't get you, cho- I can't get you chocolate. Yeah. So that kind of saves that, that part of like yeah. the traditional Valentine's day thing. Right. But, um, you remember
1: our first Valentine's day together?
0: Not to get too like you know, personal.
1: Um, is that the Ritz Carlton one? Uh, yeah. See, you yeah. do remember yeah, like the I first did. time. Well, uh, yeah, it uh, the sounds first, fancier than it probably was. It
0: was totally not fancy. As a matter of fact, this is a lesson. Go ahead. You want to? No, let's hear it. Let's hear my lesson. lesson is to like anyone out there trying to really um, like do something nice for their significant other on Valentine's Day. Don't overextend. I, <laughs> I'm a classic yeah. overextender, especially back then, where like I was trying to impress yeah. you so hard right, that yeah. um, I think went, that's
1: I think that that happens. Just you know.
0: So do you think? So you think that my advice is wrong? Like. I feel like I there's, there's a beauty in the, like, the simple I never things.
1: knew you were overextending. So that's, I think, probably you did a good job. Like, oh, you nice. never let me know, like, you were scraping the last pennies out of your wallet to pay a bill. Like, oh, so, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you, you know, so that was good.
0: Anyway, yeah, it sounds really fancy, but like the first Valentine's Day that I was courting you, um, we went. A two like we spent well, the we night. Well, we had
1: crazy service. Well, we had, mean, a we had a service at a service. restaurant. Right, so right. We we're running a restaurant that we were and running together. Had a busy. I mean, we weren't a very busy restaurant, and then we had a pretty busy Valentine. So for restaurants, you know, it's kind of the day where, besides New Year's, where you you kind of get a full book. It's the Super <laughs> right?
0: Bowl of like the restaurant world, All like right. New Year's yeah. Eve and valentine's right. day like you're yep. saying
1: if you're not full any other day close you're most likely gonna be full on those two days
0: if you're anywhere near a fine dining restaurant i should right. preface yay, that yay, not not course. like fast food or anything but <laughs> like if if you're anywhere in the fine dining neighborhood sort of restaurant and you're not busy on valentine's day or new year's eve just close yeah because it's not gonna that's work not it's happening. just an automatic day yeah, and that's
1: free, um, free uh trailblaze consulting <laughs> there, there it is
0: there it is a, <laughs> a way to work the uh trailblaze consulting uh engine into that as yeah, well no um it's a big night for restaurants, so a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are actually going into the restaurant here on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, getting ready, getting ready lobster to prep, <laughs> right? Oysters. Filet mignon, lobster, yeah. oysters—all these sort of like <laughs> aphrodisiac sort of items. Mm. I've chocolate played in that cake. world before. <laughs> chocolate, you love the. Let's be honest, you love the chocolate Who lava doesn't cake. Doesn't love though. a chocolate, especially lava if cake. it's shaped like a heart for Aww, Valentine's Day. Cute. I at one point started to go really dark with the Valentine's Day stuff. I like serving like heart like heart tar, like raw yeah, beef heart. You on and Chris
1: Cosentino. Another th- one that we got to get on the podcast.
0: We got to get Cosentino. Yeah. They're all down. We'll do it. Yeah. Here's the good thing to my face. Everyone wants to be a part of it, <laughs> but here's what I am learning. And this is not uh, a knock on anyone who hasn't come on the pod yet. No. Some people just don't really know about podcasts yet.
1: That's true. So it's we're like on the fringe. We're, we're, you know, I mean, it's
0: we're we're we're, we're, we're current. Yeah, but there, there are a lot of people who I think, and this is my fault too, because before we had our podcast, and before I started listening to podcasts, I turned down a lot of guest appearances on podcasts. Yeah, because I was like, a podcast, right. it's like AM radio. Like, why do I want to? I don't know. Like, yeah. anyone listening to those things. Yeah. Um, but I love them because you actually get to know those people a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing even guest spots on so many podcasts. Yeah. Right it's, now, I mean, so it, many.
1: It's a it's a great media. Yeah. But anyways, back to our va- first Valentine's because you brought it up. Yeah. So I don't want to leave people hanging no, out l- there. Go ahead. Throw I want to give there. them all the details. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so we get through this really tough service of a restaurant that's used to doing about 30 covers a night and then does, you know, 200 covers. And we get through that tough service. We check into the Ritz Carlton, which is in Atlanta, um, you know, maybe 10 minutes away. And we get there. We check into our room. We order... A ton of room service. We're like, we're just ready.
0: Caesar salad and burgers and fries for days. Yeah. Because we're classy and it's yeah. the Ritz-Carlton.
1: Totally. <laughs> and then we fall asleep. <laughs> Absolutely
0: fall asleep. And I, I don't know if it was just because it was Valentine's Day or I called the hotel or we knew someone, but there were like rose petals. Right. That's right, Everywhere. Yeah. Just, and it was like awesome.
1: Crashed, (laughs) and it was
0: basically like you know we again at the end of the night of a restaurant, and we have to get back to work the next day. It was like a thousand dollar five hour experience for a Caesar salad, hamburger, and rose petals in
1: the morning or two in the morning. Exactly because we're restaurant people. Um, But the cool part is that we woke up at you know eight or nine in the morning, whatever time it was in the room service pushed the cart in the room, (laughs) so we had breakfast. Do you remember that? No, they. Somehow the cart, the food was in the room. Oh my God. I forgot. We didn't even eat the food. We didn't even eat the food. We fell asleep
0: before the food came and then woke up. Right. And then ate the room service. And then we woke up, yeah, a couple hours is, later and like,
1: cold fries.
0: Whatever. whatever. Someone's going to be like, that's gross. Yeah. But like, honestly, like a soggy Caesar salad crouton <laughs> is a pretty awesome thing. <laughs> I was in
1: my 20s so I get free pass for all of this. I, I
0: was uh, so an well. advanced chef. I get no <laughs> pass for this but I was 70 pounds, he- uh, maybe 50 pounds heavier maybe at that time. Yeah, probably. Uh, and like a, But honestly though, this is a molecular gastronomy. A Caesar salad crouton yeah. that is partially soggy, that has absorbed all of the Caesar salad dressing. Mm-hmm. Like that's some Spongy. grand naked shit right there. Yeah. Like that's yeah, like, yeah. that's going to happen like a crouton that tastes like a Caesar salad. Like, a sponge, like yeah. it happens naturally. If yeah. you just let it sit overnight <laughs> on uh, <laughs> outside on the mm-hmm. table there. Um, but Valentine's day is big for the restaurants. Uh, deuces galore. Uh, and, uh, so if you're out there, uh, pushing service tonight, uh, mm, I feel luck. for you. Yeah. I feel it for you. Good luck. Good luck. I will be on set. With Guy Fieri on Valentine's Day. I'm so sorry to you, my loving wife. <laughs> I get to hang out with uh, Guy Fieri yeah. on Valentine's Day, which Troy, is also I special. I hope Troy
1: Johnson's there too, so at least you guys oh, can just bro it up.
0: I don't think he is, but no, there's another guy, Troy Johnson, Brian Malarkey, that are coming on the pod, and we just can't seem to arrange yeah. the hour for these people who yeah, are so to busy. Yeah, we get
1: San Diego guys. Make it easy on ourselves. We're going to yeah? do that. Yeah. So we We'll have, do like a, maybe a month of San Diego folks we're gonna do it we're doing
0: all of them Um, so that's a lot of fun Uh, this listen this um, podcast episode again is me live doing a keynote for the NRA in Austin, Texas. Uh, it gets into a lot of food tech stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Um, as always, do, do us a favor. Here in the open, I'm going to let you know. Can you go over to Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app and just subscribe? It's free. Go find a friend or a family member and just grab their phone uh, and subscribe to a podcast for them like we did with your mother-in-law. She doesn't listen to podcasts, she li- but she Maybe subscribes to one. Hours Ours. Ours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I grabbed her phone That's the way it works. and how to do it. She also wrote a secret review. Uh, It's not secret, I wrote it But it's under her name on the iTunes Uh, So do us a favor, subscribe And uh, if you are uh, up for it And have the five minutes Write us a review as well Uh, Enjoy your Valentine's Day And enjoy this podcast of uh, live At the National Restaurant Association In Austin, Texas Yes, Austin, Texas Oh my god, everyone Here we go Yes, keep going Don't, Don't stop Look at this warm welcome. There's bright lights. There's people out there. Yes, you did it, everyone. 13 seconds of uproarious laughter and cheer uh, as I'm just stalling. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Let me see. I've been dropping Instagram stories all day. Let me get that live. Uh, But thank you so much. That was a warm welcome. Uh, You guys have been uh, incredibly kind. I ran into some of you uh, already um, yesterday. Um, and I ran into you yesterday, and you were saying some really kind things, like in the lobby um, where uh, I met one of you last night, uh, and you came up to me, and you sat down, and you said that you really, really uh, love my work. Uh, You love my work um, on Food Network, and you're a fan of all my restaurants. It made me just really incredibly happy uh, to hear all of that, especially um, when uh, you walked away, and you said, I can't wait to tell my mom I met Bobby Flay. That's, I mean, Bobby's pretty popular. I'm just going to take that. Uh, that. That's fine for me. Uh, super, super excited. We're going to cover basically uh, over the next 45 minutes or so, and you're going to have questions, uh, so get ready to queue up some questions uh, for me when we get to the end of the, of the show. Um, but what I think is really amazing is I put together a, a little conversation that we're going to have uh, that is going to be an introduction to uh, the things that you're going to hear and talk about over the next uh, 48 hours, Um, I think it's 48 hours, right? Uh, So I'm going to sort of introduce a lot of these ideas and concepts, and then you're going to get a chance uh, to chat with the people that are actually doing these things and integrating these things uh, into the restaurant world. Um, So should I just get into it, or we want to, what do you want to do back there, Video Village? Yeah, we're good? How are you guys doing, by the way? You doing good? Yeah, we're up, guys. Yeah, we're up. Great job, guys. Way to go. Way to go. Um, so here we go. Yeah, this is me, Richard Blaze. Um, this is my sort of consulting company, um, Trailblaze, uh, which again, we sort of uh, have worked with uh, big companies to sort of develop ideas and ingredients and processes. Uh, it's also my tax shelter, um, to, to be really, really honest. Um, and uh, we try again, we, we work with different companies, we develop different ideas. Uh, most people don't know, Just is me as a celebrity chef, like I mentioned. Uh, and I get to do really cool things as a celebrity chef, like uh, appear on the Food Network topless from time to time. Um, I get to stand next to Padma Lakshmi. That's one of my favorite pictures. I hang out with my buddy Guy Fieri. Uh, Real quick, this top center uh, photo over there is uh, me on the Today Show. I I just have one quick little um, note for you. If you end up going on the Today Show for your company, which a lot of you will because you're doing amazing things, don't ever pour liquid nitrogen on Kathy Lee's feet. It's an automatic three-year ban from the Today Show. Um, you know, I'm back now. Everything's good. But just don't do that. Automatic three-year ban. Uh, so that's me as a celebrity chef. But again, I was talking about how my start uh, was as a, you know, chef in a restaurant And quite honestly, well before that. Uh, my first job was at this little place, uh, maybe you've heard of, called McDonald's, um, where I had a very prestigious position at McDonald's. I was the poissonnier. Which means fish cook in French, which is very important at a fast food hamburger restaurant that serves one seafood item. Uh, but the first batch of filet of fish that I sent out as a 14 year old, I forgot to put the top buns on those filet of fish sandwiches. Uh, so I was avant garde well before I knew that that was gonna be my calling. I have backed up a drive through from time to time. Uh, but generally, my story as a cook is from McDonald's. Uh, to El Bully. This is El Bully, one of the most uh, inventive restaurants in the world uh, for a number of years. This is actually me taking a picture of uh, Chef Ferran Adria right there, mainly because I thought he looked like Lotka from Taxi. <laughs> and I just wanted to sort of do that meme at some point in my life. Uh, this, though, is really important for me. That's me. That's me. I hope, like, usually someone's like... <gasps> No, you're very kind. Uh, You're very kind, Innovation Summit attendees. Um, But um, sort of as I went down the road as a cook, I fell into a lot of sort of uh, traps that a lot of uh, young cooks fall into. Uh, I became basically uh, fat, mean, and unhappy. (laughs) Um, And this was me during that faking a smile. Um, I failed a ton before I reached any sort of success. I closed a restaurant called. Uh, Blaze. That's my last name. I didn't have any rights to my name. Uh, The restaurant closed even though it was on every sort of like best restaurant in the country sort of list. Uh, I had minus $600 in my pocket uh, and I was sort of miserable. And to really illustrate that, this is a meme of Nicolas Cage from Leaving Las Vegas, if you can see it, where I think he's sort of drunk and miserable. Um, So I think it's always really important to talk about failure uh before you, you know, or right after you talk about success, because I could just come out here and say a lot of fun things, and then you're like, I don't like that guy, he's kind of a douche. Um uh, today I really wanted to get into this one common theme of our talk, and it is sort of the lens of humor or being ridiculous to sort of get to a point of innovation or creativity. This is the homepage for my uh new podcast that I host called Richard Blaze is Starving for Attention, which is pretty obvious, right, already. Um And we have a lot of fun on that podcast. It's the only thing I'm going to sell you today. It's free. Just hit subscribe on your phones. We bring in different people from the industry. We chat with chefs and uh, people in the TV game. We'd love to bring some of you on the podcast. Uh, But what Starving for Attention taught me is is this idea of how humor and being ridiculous uh, can really open up some innovation. Because on a podcast, you know, you guys listen to podcasts, by the way? Really? I'm surprised. Not that. Yeah, everyone. Okay, give give it up. If you hear something, give it up for podcasts if you like it. Yeah. Um, They save time, right? You can learn so much listening to a podcast. Um, But really, when we started getting into it, you know, you hear commercials on podcasts. um, And we did not have the ability... Uh, to find funding for the podcast right away. So we decided, like, wow, our podcast would be really sucks if we don't have commercials. Commercials are the best parts of podcasts. When the host has to read something that they don't want to read, and then they're like, go get shaved, or buy these sneakers, or whatever it is. So we decided when we were producing the podcast that in the beginning before we had sponsorship, which we now luckily have, that we would just start developing ridiculous ideas uh, to sell as podcast um, apps. And Then we got into, we had a lot of fun sort of developing these. So one of them, one of my favorites is this idea that I had where uh, I love donuts. Do you guys love donuts? Yeah, okay. Yeah, everyone loves donuts. I also really love drones uh, and I love aviation. So why not, especially in this day and age, develop a concept that delivers donuts through drone and call that company Dronuts. Uh, This is something I'll actually be doing on a morning show in a couple of weeks I'm hoping I don't crash it into Kathy Lee uh, again because then that's going to be a lifetime ban, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it was kind of fun because we launched this as a joke and then we started realizing, wait, that's not a joke. It's already, it's already kind of happening. Uh, and then you, we saw an article about sushi being delivered via drone. Uh, but we never would have even had this idea or thought maybe we could do this if we didn't open up the ability to just have, make fun of ourselves and come up with ideas that were ridiculous and Quite honestly, silly. Some of the other like fake commercials or ads or apps that we launched on Starving for Attention were uh, some of these right here. So uh, this is one called Feedback. Uh, it's my app where you can come into a restaurant and in real time send a note to the kitchen. So you can be like, kitchen, my rigatoni bolognese is salty. And you can send that to the kitchen. they get that note while they're there. And then they can send you back their response. which is usually, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a very passive-aggressive app. Um, uh, we came up with this idea. That actually, my wife came up with this idea of uh, this app called Dutch, where she travels a lot as a businesswoman, and she's in airports, and she uh, wants to eat something, but she doesn't want a full meal. Um, but she also, she's our CFO, so she doesn't want to pay for a full meal. Um, so she's always looking for someone to split lunch with at an airport, why not connect with other people who want to do the same in this app called Dutch? Which basically, my wife invented Tinder with French fries. Which, which I'm a little, the Tinder part concerns me a little bit. Uh, and this bottom one here is something that we just joke around with called Jiminy, uh, which is going to be all the rage and something you need to be on the lookout for. This is a company that basically promotes urban insect farming, farming specifically with crickets, called Jiminy. Um, Yeah, I I like that one as well. Uh, This is another one that's kind of ridiculous. You guys ever watch the show Silicon Valley? Yeah? Yeah. So here's a ridiculous app. uh, And uh, originally, it was using image recognition technology to sort of point your phone at an item in a restaurant and say what it is. I don't know. Maybe you could use that and figure out how much calories it in. But if you've seen the show, and some of you probably have, uh, it doesn't quite go the way that they want. All they can do with their technology is determine if something is a hot dog or not a hot dog. Uh, This is a real app. Of course, they have tech consultants behind the scenes, and they actually launched this. You can use this and find out tonight if your brisket sandwich in Austin is a hot dog or not a hot dog. Um, But again, ridiculous, but what does it open up? It opens up a ton of possibilities. What can you do if you can take a picture of a food item, uh, and what kind of information can you get? Uh, All of this led, again, all of this whole stream of being ridiculous and just silly and stupid led to getting some funding to create a television show that's in the early processes. I haven't revealed this to anyone. By the way, you're on the podcast right now. I'm going to be using this audio, so if you want to be even a little louder, that's okay. If you've got questions, you're going to have your time. Um, But basically, all these silly ideas led to the development of a show that I'm working on right now that for our purposes today I'm calling Angel Food, but it's a mix of Shark Tank meets Top Chef, where a bunch of tech developers come into this accelerator incubator, uh, they live out their dreams, they try and raise funding for their company, uh, and then they either get sent home or, or, or not, or they, they make a lot of money and they move on. Um, so that's sort of uh, the, the core of everything we're going to talk about from here is just this silliness and how all of that really opens up uh, to some of the real ideas that I'm going to uh, bring up just in, the, in, the brief, in a brief way today, but then all of your speakers that you're going to hear over the next three days are going to dive deep uh, into some of these uh, topics. Um, so one, we'll start with something that you're already probably all using, and that is the, the concept of big data and analytics uh, and just getting all the information you can in every which way um, for your company um, to sort of uh, profit more or be a better company or take care of your guests in a different way. Um, a lot of ways... Uh, that this has happened recently. And again, I have no affiliation with any of the companies that are on the screen, just to be clear. Um, you know, but I wanted to sort of just show the logo of Open Table because I'm old enough, um, don't let the tight pants fool you, I'm old enough um, that I remember when Open Table was a brand new thing, right? I remember some of you are really young out there. There used to be someone called a reservationist that sat in a room. And answered a hardline phone and took a reservation, and then wrote that down on paper in a book, and then ran that to the front desk, and that's how people, um, you know, took care of making reservations. Um, I just want to s- mention this moment because again, I lived through it, and I remember being sort of the person who was like, "That's stupid, um, you know." There's a romance in the reservation book. Uh, we like our reser- right? We like our reservationist. Um, you know, this, I don't, you have to buy three screens and hardware, and it's just, it's expensive. Uh, and what happened with OpenTable or what has happened with companies like OpenTable? I know a lot of you have, have, have the next version of it. Um, but it became something that not only uh, was just something that was easier for reservations, but it became a way to collect data. And I remember then a couple years later being able to go up to OpenTable and see area codes on phone numbers from reservations and then sort of, even in just my head, napkin math, Figuring out, yeah, all of these area codes come from Chicago. There must be something in town. Oh, look at that. The concierge from the hotel says that there's a, a beef council in town from the Midwest. No wonder why everyone's here from Chicago. Now we can start developing our menus and our items and our service around our guests. You know, then what happened also with uh, Open Table is that then it became sort of the place where you had to go to make a reservation at any restaurant. And then it became a place where you had to go and write reviews of those restaurants that you were at. And it basically just came, became its own media or it becomes its own media company, which I think is the lesson here uh, for all of us is that we all are our companies and ourselves individually. We're all our own media companies. All of your employees are their own little individual media slash PR companies. Um, Recently, my restaurants have gotten into uh, this whole thing called geofencing. I'm sure a lot of you are, are aware of it in analytics, um, but I've blown away. We just got data from a year's worth of, of data from three restaurants that I have. And originally, we looked into uh, this idea of geofencing um, because we wanted to know if we would cannibalize one restaurant with another one that was two miles up the street. Um, so we ran some data. What came back was just you know, so much information. Uh, not only where our guests were coming from restu- to our restaurant, not only where they lived, um, but because basically your device is tracking everything that you do in your daily life that we know f- um, just from, again, having your phone on and being around our restaurant, not only where you're coming from, where you go to work, how long it took to drive there, um, what college you went to, how much money you make, um, incredible amounts of information um, that we sort of started collecting using uh, geofencing, which has blown my mind. I, I haven't even done a deep dive on this, um, but it's kind of amazing. This is a picture of Lisa Simpson, everyone. I think that's Lisa, right? Um, and she's, um, you know, in, the, in, this, in this episode, she's talking about sabermetrics, which is, I'm a big baseball fan, so if you know anything about sabermetrics, it's the use of sort of getting inside the numbers of baseball traditionally. Uh, And Bill James, uh, who I think was one of the creators, decided like, wait, maybe ERA isn't that important. Uh, Maybe we're using the wrong numbers. um, And maybe uh, it should be something called WIP, which is in baseball, it's walks and hits uh, for every inning pitch, which is a more valuable stat. I firmly believe, again, I don't have the answer for you, but some of you have the answer, that we're just not collecting enough stats in our restaurants. I thought about this in my hotel room up there. For me, with restaurants that are a little bit more in the fine dining space... Um, I would love to be able to have, like, stats on my grill cook that are like stats of a baseball player, right? Um, why not? Like, I want to know the, a young Richard Blaze, how many times of those 200 steaks he cooked actually ended up mid-rare, how much he was behind uh, on getting that steak to the, the pass or to the expediting station. Um, I, we're not collecting enough stats in restaurants, um, even inside the restaurant. One thing that I always talk about is ticket times, right? Ticket times. We're obsessed with ticket times. But we kind of fall victim to, like, using these archaic numbers in referencing ticket times. In the fine dining world, it's 20 minutes, right? In the, I don't know what it is. In the fast food world, what is it, 5? I'm guessing. 5, 10? No one wants to take a... If this was a fine, right? fine dining crowd, people would say, 20 minutes. And they just yell out 20 minutes, because some old chef told them it takes 20 minutes to make risotto. Or it takes 20 minutes to cook a 14-ounce steak. Uh, it's not true. Set the time to wherever you want it to be. For me, I just started a, um, I just took over a growth seed program under the Chipotle umbrella uh, called Tasty Made. And, like, I'm starting at one minute. I'm actually started at zero, but I can't get there. So, but I'm starting the process at, like, how can I get food out in one minute? Um, instead of starting at 20 or starting at 10 and trying to work back, you might as well start um, right—you know, where you want it to be anyway, which is a minute. You can engineer uh, backwards that way. I don't think we're tracking our guest experience in our restaurants enough as well. Right? We have the ticket time, but most restaurants are not collecting data on how long it took to get from the host stand to the seat, how long it took um, you know, for the whole process to play out. Uh, At this point, we can even collect data on where where guests are moving with inside of our restaurant. We can do this ahead um, and figure out, like, well, we built this restaurant wrong because we have this bottleneck at the bar. And all of this goes into, um, again, using data. I love also looking at other industries, and using other industries as examples, specifically the airline industry to me. I'm not as uh, smart as most of you. The airline industry blows my mind that I've traveled 500,000 miles this year and I've only lost my bag once. That's amazing to me. Logistically, that's just incredible. Um, and besides the just normal facts that like planes don't really crash, just the fact that that all works uh, is amazing. Look to other industries um, to sort of find inspiration in ours. Okay, everyone, listen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Starving for Attention. Uh, you might not know this, but, uh, there's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior, removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. That makes sense. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Although I can't imagine that that's great for your chin. It's weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience. Whether you buy new, or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid. So they know if they're getting a good deal before even buying, which is amazing. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some of these features might not be available in all states, but this podcast is available in all states. So enjoy the second half.
1: Hey y'all, this is Matt. And Michelle from Thug Kitchen here to tell you about our new show, Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast exclusively on podcast one we're stepping out of the kitchen and into your earbuds every week to discuss food politics pop culture basically we're just trying to give a fucking do better get your together with us every thursday on borked up a thug kitchen podcast right here on podcast one download and listen to new episodes exclusively on podcast one.com the new podcast one app or subscribe on apple podcasts thanks y'all This is Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze.
0: Uh, this picture right here, a uh, segue to the next thing, is uh, don't be mad that your guests are on their phones. They are. Just get over it. Um, they're on their phones. This is a whole family. No one's looking at each other. Uh, well, some of them are looking at the same phone, so I guess that's a good family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I hear so many operators talking about how they're upset that their guests are on their phones. One, thank you. Because using geofencing, etc., cetera. And not only that, I'm collecting data in my restaurant that tells me as a celebrity chef what other celebrity chefs these people are following online. We're just getting tons of information. Uh, don't be upset. Listen, this is a, like I said, this is a good family. When this family's at home, they're on three or four screens, right? So this is them taking off and taking time off. They're only on one screen, right? Um, you can communicate them with, uh, with that app feedback if you want. Um, but don't be upset uh, again, everyone is on their phones and this should be something that we should be uh, figuring out ways to communicate with them, you know, maybe while they're in the restaurant or figuring out ways to work that device into our operations instead of just being uh, mad at them. Uh, briefly, because, uh, again, this is not my expertise, uh, but this is my, my slide that really just gets into uh, AI, right? Uh, so these are some of my AI characters throughout history. Uh, Space Odyssey. Uh, the movie Her, which, uh, which really is pretty close to being real right now. Uh, Vision from the Avengers, I'm a Big Nerd, C-3PO, and Data. These are all extreme versions of artificial intelligence. Um, and I think I wanted to show this page to you because a lot of people, especially sort of just normal people, like they feel like artificial intelligence is this. It's going to be an actual robot that's going to walk around and do everything. And that probably will happen, but I think we're at least 10 years away. From that sort of thing, maybe twenty away from that sort of thing. The 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 doomsday scenario of AI, um, I think, although it's very controversial, is something we don't really have to be concerned about within the next two uh, to five years. Some of your other speakers, I think, uh, maybe they'll disagree. I don't know. Probably not. Um, Here's where I think we can start thinking about AI that's happening right now. Uh, And for my purposes, AI chatbots, assisted intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Um, but ways to communicate with our guests. So I feel like right here, this is the drive-through, obviously. uh, uh, And this is uh, sort of uh, leading into the next topic. This is a version of AI, right? So this is voice to everything. I was just speaking to one of the uh, speakers who's going to talk later today, who validated me, so I really felt good about that. He didn't know what I was going to talk about today. But this, just like data is already here, you should be using the data. This is the next big thing that's going to happen right now, tomorrow, right? It's happening already. Um, voice to everything. So you're already familiar to going to that drive through and speaking to a person in a speaker box. Some of you probably already have uh, betas and prototypes already working in the fast food world. Um, but that seems like the drive through order taker is the next reservationist to me, if that makes any sense, right? Because you certainly can speak uh, to a computer to order hamburgers and french fries and milkshakes. Um, what's really important here is I have two kids. One's 10 years old and one's six years old. Um, My 10-year-old, when she was 2, she was born in the world of the smartphone. She knows nothing else except the world of the smartphone. My 2-year-old, when we were at a doctor's visit early on in her life, picked up a magazine, a real, like, people magazine, and started swiping the photo on the magazine. I was like, oh, she's stupid. (laughs) She's not stupid. I mean, she's adorable, But her world is that was her world. She was born in that world. Her a magazine to her is a digital app that you slide pages through. Those are our guests. You know, those are becoming our guests right now. Um, My six year old walked into our 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 neighbor's house the other day and just started commanding the house to do things. (laughs) House, okay, Alexa, play Frozen Disney music. Alexa, what's the weather? That's my six-year-old. She doesn't even need to touch anything now. And this is something that we're going to see. I'm getting goosebumps, by the way, talking about this because this is something we all need to jump on. You're probably a little late because this is something that's happening right now, right around the corner, six months, six months from now. Um, Alexa can be your your drive-through, or or uh, can be you know voice too, can be everything. (laughs) This is the clapper, guys. Which like this. Someone's, whoever invented the clapper is kicking themselves right now because they were onto something, right? (laughs) Sound to something technology that worked right now. Um, Now it's sort of voice. um, But listen, what what can that sort of uh, voice do? I mean, other ways uh, to think about, you know, what voice can do in a restaurant. And this is just me uh, truly um, spitballing is... You know, what about in my fine dining restaurant? My server goes to a table. My server takes your order. My server goes back to a desktop computer, basically. Then she places the order. Then the order goes in the kitchen. Then someone gets that, and then someone reads that order out loud. That's how it works. That's ridiculous, right? Now, you might say, well, servers now have tablets. Sure, that's saving a step. But why are servers just not saying in their microphone, order two steaks, one fish, a side of grits, some spinach, and uh, whatever, and, and two souffles for dessert, and why is that voice not just going straight to the kitchen to replace the expediter in my kitchen um, where that person now would be reading a piece of paper? Now, why is it not just Jones, which, by the way, Jones is the name of my operating assistant. My, my, that's my Alexa is Jones. Hey, Jones, order uh, two steaks. And, the, and then Jones can just order it um, into the kitchen. So we're saving so many steps um, by utilizing this sort of um, voice-to-everything sort of uh, technology. Uh, you, okay, back here real quick. So, again, it gets us into this part, smart technology. Uh, we all know that we're right here already. Um, these are, everyone knows a smartphone, of course. Uh, this is just my way of telling you that I just bought a Tesla, by the way. Um, I'm, I, again, I consider myself kind of smart. I'm blown away by the smart car. The thing does drive itself. That's, that's insane, right? Now, airplanes have been driving themselves for a long time, so it shouldn't really surprise me. Um, but it is, it obviously is changing the world. So if we're talking about smartphones, everyone now knows there's smart cars. Um, obviously, the next step, and we see it already with appliances, is smart technology in the kitchens and in restaurants. Um, here's my issue with this is that I feel like from the marketing perspective, uh, most of this stuff ends up sort of being pitched as uh, incredibly luxurious, right, and over the top. Um, and the fact is, it's mostly pitched, I think, towards like the elite home sort of kitchen or restaurant. But I feel like we need to start uh, really employing these things uh, in our restaurants, right? Um, again, all of my information here is, is hopefully trying to save money either on labor cost or food costs, which is what? Um, 60%, 55%? Is that a decent number? Um, like that's an incredible amount of money that we spend on labor and food, Um, That's why it's a horrible business. (laughs) Um, uh, But there's lots of ways, specifically on the labor end, uh, if you start using a lot of this smart technology. Uh, My restaurants, basically, you know, it takes two people or three people to open a restaurant for two or three hours in the morning. And they have to do ridiculous things, like turn ovens on and open up windows and set thermostats and unlock doors and turn on sound systems. And quite honestly, we are in a moment right now where someone can just walk in and say... Jones, turn on the thermostat, open the door, start the oven, blah, 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 blah. Um, This is pretty uh, obvious, but something that, you know, not too many places are really digging into. Um, Smart technology, automation, and robots. Uh, Listen, these are uh, a couple of different companies that I've seen. So this is a sous vide uh, machine. I think it's Nomaku, um, which is, uh, again, you guys know I cook with all this modern gear and gadgets, um, sous vide is a whole conversation on its own, but you can see here in the slide, um, this is a cooking device that's being operated from uh, a smartphone. Um, this is amazing for me as an operator because, one, I have things cooking overnight, as an example, when there's no one in the building and I'm not spending any labor on things being done, um, but I can also monitor it. I can, I can take care of uh, the precision of it and the consistency of it. Um, this is just sous vide. I just came back from a, a talk that I just did in Brooklyn yesterday. I'm just really trying to say I was in Brooklyn yesterday. I was. Um, <laughs> um, where it's ovens, right? So if sous vide's too much for you, and you're like, I don't know about that, the fact that, like, ovens are doing the same thing right now, I can control my oven, I don't need an operator for it, I can cook overnight, etc., etc. Next here is, I think we have this, this, this company is actually in the audience, so they're going to be around this week. So this is uh, basically a robot that makes salads, um, which is kind of amazing. I see a robot that makes salads, and I eliminate a salad cook or two or three from my system. Uh, And I mean, besides, you're going to get into this later, but it's also telling you the nutrition. Uh, It's also, I mean, when you start thinking about health and safety and you have no hands now touching food, a lot lot of exciting things uh, ahead when we start talking about automation uh, and robots. Uh, That's a reality. And speaking of reality, uh, let's real quick just touch on virtual reality, right? Back to one of my favorite shows, Silicon Valley. This is Keenan Feldspar uh, in the fake world developing uh, virtual reality. Um, and this is pretty controversial. Virtual reality in general, no one knows if it's going to pop. Uh, how is it going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Is it all a waste of money? Uh, it probably will pop, I think, uh, And with the, in the gaming world first, of course, Um, But I think it would be sad to not just think about your restaurants or your businesses and not just think a little bit about virtual reality. So when I think about virtual reality in the restaurant world or the food service world, I am thinking about things like, uh, for example, I just came back from visiting one one of the big boy companies that are out there, you know, a publicly traded company that has a campus that has acres and acres of, buildings and materials where they're bringing in all of their people to learn how to cook their food and run their operations and spending tons of money on hotels and flights to bring people into a replicated kitchen of one of their 1,000 kitchens or 2,000 kitchens around the world, whatever it is. Um, Well, why not strap on a headset that is a version of your kitchen in your company and have have someone walk through in a virtual way uh, training. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a lot of application for virtual reality on the hotel and hospitality and resort side as well, where, um, like you, I fly in the day of an event. Um, you know, I only have a little bit of time, but I, I'd love to see, um, you know, the resort or wherever I'm visiting. But I don't have a lot of time. Well, if I throw on a virtual reality headset, it can actually walk me through um, that experience maybe in a hotel. I can see where the spa's at. I know where the restaurant's at. I can walk into the restaurant. I can walk up to the chef if I want. I think we're definitely heading that way. As a sidebar here, I'm a big runner. I'm getting ready to run my fifth New York marathon. And I'm sure this already exists. But as I'm getting ready to run this race, and I'm a week, two weeks out from this race, so I'm freaking out basically. Um, I've even I've run the course before, but I would love to throw on a virtual reality headset and know exactly where the elevation is on this race and exactly what that experience is going to be like to prepare for it. Uh, this one, I think, is another one. When we talked about voice to everything, jump on that right now. Data, you're, you know, that's something that has to be a part of it. Virtual reality may be a little far off. This is not far off. So augmented reality uh, or mixed reality, whatever you want to call it, this is on your phones right now if you have the latest operating system, Um, the ability to sort of uh, take your device and project other things onto that screen or see sort of graphics on your screen. So what you're seeing right now uh, for a restaurant that's building 100 restaurants, I can take my device into an empty building and I can project my proprietary equipment into that building and into that space. Uh, And this is obviously maybe more of an architectural thing Here, I think it's just someone rearranging their house or maybe their office. Uh, But there's tons of applications here in the restaurant world uh, for sort of augmented reality and using uh, your device to sort of, again, uh, place parts of your world into a uh, a not a real world uh, experience. Um, I also think, for me, selfishly, as a celebrity, um, you know, this is... uh, going to be really interesting, the virtual reality, sort of augmented reality. Maybe not for me. I'm not that level of celebrity, but I wouldn't be surprised if you could spend money soon to have a virtual reality experience with Beyonce pretty soon. Why not, right? You're never going to see her anyway. You're not going to be able to afford her in person, uh, but you could get a virtual reality sort of uh, meet and greet. Um, Speaking of Beyonce, I think this will probably be where we see augmented reality sort of pop up. uh, And uh, for our conversation, this is Beyonce eating a whatever a uh, sandwich of your choosing from whatever company you work for. Um, but I think you'll see augmented reality pop through first with memes. It's going to be the new meme machine, where it is going to be impossible almost to distinguish reality from, uh, you know, it's not going to be a meme where you're like, oh, they drew a mustache on Beyonce. No, it's going to look like Beyonce with a mustache or Beyonce eating this sandwich. If you guys have seen, you, you know more than me, some of you, but this latest thing where it's actually Obama talking it's Obama's face, but it's not his words. They've actually, you know, We can actually make that happen right now. It's pretty scary. Um, that's like a, 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 the dark side of it, but the easy side of it is you're going to be able to see these sort of memes and things created where, uh, yeah, you want Beyonce in your restaurant? We can pop her in there. Not a big deal. Here it is. You get a lot of hits for that one, I'm sure. You probably also have a lot of legal issues uh, eventually with that one. Uh, real quick, as we're getting into uh, sort of the Q&A part of it, uh, I think it would be impossible to not mention... The fact that we are heading into a uh, more of a plant-based food culture and conscience. Uh, and I don't really have much to say about that except uh, my wife's a yoga instructor, so she's almost vegan. Uh, I live in Southern California. Uh, but it's, it would be impossible to ignore uh, the fact that people are looking to do better things for the world or maybe for their diet. Uh, and that you have to be aware that this is something that people want. Uh, this is something that I, don't, I want you to tell me the answer maybe offline or post this com- call, is this just blows me away. I think it's actually more than 40% that all food grown and processed gets wasted. That's an insane number. And not just for, like, to change the world and feed people, but for our own operations. Um, I would not be surprised if this sort of becomes, like, the next big good thing to do as far as, like, oh, we have a plant-based item on the menu. We really just want to make sure we're taking care of our guests. Here's something, though, that we're also trying to do for the world. I'm getting ready to do one of these talks upcoming where I'm going to stand on stage and people are going to literally come out and dump trash bins. Not on me, I hope, uh, but on the table in front of me. And I'm going to uh, cook through, basically, garbage bins to see how many items I can develop uh, with, you know, basically edible garbage. But it's something that we should not ignore. Uh, This is just sort of a little weird... uh, collage here of something that I read where someone's taking and someone in Japan has developed a pig that only eats pineapple cores, uh, tuna scraps and stocky residue from the fermentation of sake. That's probably a pretty happy pig. Um, <laughs> it's probably absolutely delicious. But again, when we're talking about food waste, these items were being wasted uh, and we've created a product, uh, you know, from waste. So it's not just developing items. It's developing, perhaps, the way that um, some of our items are eating, perhaps. Uh, and this, of course, is uh, one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, where they developed the Mr. Fusion, which uh, took garbage and powered vehicles with it. Right? This is silly and ridiculous and 25 years old or something like that at this point, um, but maybe that's something that we should be doing, or someone is already, I'm sure, well on their way to doing. Uh, bioinformatics, this is a new word that I just learned. Uh, I know a lot of you. Actually, there's some companies that are in the in the room right now uh, that are sort of talking about this. This is one of my favorite scenes from Austin Powers. Uh, you guys smell asparagus when uh, when you urinate sometimes? No? So guys, we're come on. We're at this point right now where I can say urinate, <laughs> right? No one smells it. No one has that. No one can smell asparagus and urine. Come yeah. yeah. on. Round of hands. Raise of hands. How many people can smell? Okay. Right. Half of you. Right. Because. That's genetic. That's genetic. The ability to smell asparagus in urine is... Gen- you have the gene that allows you to smell it. The other people aren't wrong. They just don't have the gene that can smell asparagus. Right? I've done a couple of DNA tests already. You know these companies now that are doing all this DNA work. The first one was great. I wanted to find out how Swedish I was. That's why I did it. Turned out I was Norwegian. Really great information about me and my family. I'm adopted on one side of my family. It was amazing. Um, The next one I did was this company in the U.K., and I'm going to reveal it on the Rachel Ray Show in a couple of weeks, where this company is just concerned about food, health, and fitness, and they take your DNA and tell you everything that you've been eating and then everything that you should be eating, right? This is something that could be cataclysmic, right, for all of us, right? Because now you don't just have someone potentially who is telling you, I'm gluten-free because it's kind of cool, and I'm a hipster mom, my white wife. Um, or, you know, hey, I have this allergy. Now you have people that are going to have absolute stats on the type of food that they should be eating or should be staying away from, and it's something we should just have out there in front of us as restaurateurs uh, because we're going to have to deal with something uh, like this that's, uh, that's upcoming. Mine uh, is going to come back and say that I'm 40% ranch dressing. I'm almost sure of this. Um, bioinformatics, that's going to be kind of crazy. Uh, oh, this is another like, little uh, lesson that I learned from doing my DNA test. Uh, I learned that I, and uh, this is a reveal only for you, Innovation Summit, Austin, Texas, uh, that I, here, uh, nominated for an Emmy, by the way, yes, that, um, thank you, yeah, we didn't win, we didn't win. <laughs> Anytime, I was also nominated for a James Beard. Anytime someone tells you they were nominated for something, it means they didn't win. Uh, uh, but I found out through my DNA test that I have 99% more than the other people that have, this, that have done this test, which is millions and millions of people. I have 99% more DNA of a Neanderthal. This is a true stat. When it came back, my wife was like, yep. 100% knew that that was something that, that you were going to have. Um, okay, uh, real quick to kind of get us towards the end here before we get into the Q&A. And I hope you have some questions. I really do because it will really deflate my ego if you don't. Um, shared economies. We need to be thinking about this. We are well aware of what Uber's done and what someone like Airbnb has done. But how is that going to affect us in the food world? Roy Choi was here last year from what I understand. Big food truck guy. That's kind of, you know, I think that that's a trend that's sort of at, at the end. But what is the, you know, Uber for food trucks? Uber Obviously, they do Uber Eats and all of these sort of things. But this is a world that we should be thinking about because it's greatly going to impact brick-and-mortar restaurants. Um, over here as uh, something that I think you've seen a couple of companies just barely dive into right now but could be, again, a big game changer if it ever works is Airbnb for chefs or cooks. So, like, for me... Or a young cook, you know, um, you know would, I can put up online, hey, it's 30 meals, you got a four-course Italian dinner, come to my house. Does that sound weird, by the way, to everyone? Because well, you're all really smart. Because you, know you know if you're like, gross, that's so weird. The follow-up to that is, would you ever sleep at someone else's house? <laughs> right? Which like, that's, at Airbnb is. So that's something that we have to be uh, well, well aware. Maybe I should do a celebrity chef version of this, but I don't know if there's a market for it. Oh, thank you. You're down? You want to do it? It's $50,000 appearance. Just letting you know. This is, okay. Uh, it's not, by the way, guys. I just, I, I inflated that a little. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, what is this? Oh, this was just the, uh, the end of the reel, and I think this is just my assistant uh, kind of being uh, a joker, is I wanted to talk about ghost restaurants, but she did a slide of ghosts in a restaurant. Um. But the idea of virtual restaurants, the idea that restaurants now don't have to have walls. Uh, This is something you see in big cities already. It's connected, obviously, to delivery. Um, But that you can throw up a web page that sounds like the fanciest restaurant in town. Uh, You don't even need a space. And as long as you can get food to people, um, you know, that's something that we have to be aware of. Uh, Ghost restaurants. Uh, That's our talk, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out. we could dive into any of those topics if you want. You can ask some questions. Padma is really pretty. If that was a question you were going to ask, don't ask it, because uh, it's pretty obvious. Um, the lights are up, so I can see. Oh, you're out there. There are actually people out there. That's awesome. Um, but do, if not, I can just—I have a flight, so that's okay. I guess if there are no questions, any questions or comments or uh, concerns. We have two mics running around the room. Here's one right up front. You got a mic coming to you. Um,
1: you mentioned that you are able to through. Um, Guests that are following you in your restaurant yes. are you able to see what other celebrity chefs they're following. How are you? What technology are you using for that?
0: Uh, we can talk offline about like the, or I can if you follow up on social with me, and, and I'll let you know the companies that we're using. Um, because I don't have the name of the company off the top of my head, to be honest. <laughs> Someone just gave me the spreadsheets, um, but it, the, the data we have is um, is insane. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Of course. Uh, there's a question up here, uh, over here in first base. Here yeah. we go. Nice okay. beard, bro.
1: Thanks. <laughs> uh, so on, on bioinformatics, your slide you had. What do you think restaurants are going to be more transparent with nutrition information going forward because of that? Um, you know,
0: I don't know what's going to happen with that. Like that's kind of brand brand new. Like I said, like I'm just doing you know getting this DNA for myself, but I'm just imagining what the average consumer now who has like a you know a, a, an app with all of their stats on it, what that's gonna do. Some, I mean, let's think about what... And I get the, there are a couple companies out here that are, are going to talk later in the show about this specific stuff. But now if you have someone that says, I need, I need whatever it is, 13% more protein in my diet, what item do you have that's going to fulfill this need? Like, they could get a little, you know, could get a little wonky, right? Yeah. Um, do I think people want to see dad? I don't know. As a guest, I don't really want to know that the donut's bad for me. You know what I mean? To be honest... Is it good for everyone? Probably, but it stops me from ordering donuts. Unfortunately, as a as a guy's a restaurateur, you know. Uh, is that, did I answer your question?
1: Joe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was more about just like you know, restaurants that are under twenty locations are not required by the yeah. FDA to to put out their nutrition information. And like, do you think with the bio informatics, like they're gonna there's gonna be more pressure on them to do that?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think so, but you might want to get ahead of it and just, I mean, even if you don't have to put it up on your menu, you should have it internally anyway. Right. I think yeah. we all agree to that. Uh, cause at this think you know, if someone does come up and say, I want something that's under 500 calories, whatever it is that we should be able to point them in the right direction anyway. Uh, maybe there'll be more pressure. I don't know. That's a good point though. I mean, who knows what like this, this, you know, I think that dad is going to say we're all just a little fatter than we should be and we should eat more vegetables Right, uh, So I, I think that's what's going to happen. So we can get ahead of that sort of stuff. There was a question over here. Here's one in the center field. Yes. Question for you. So um, talking about innovation and your concepts, what are some of the monthly, daily rituals you go through to be more innovative about, you know, thinking about new things, things that you read, music that you listen to? would nice. love to hear about your inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just a firm believer that, you know, <laughs> inspiration is really about turning on the receiver for it. It's not about going out to find it. It's about just putting yourself in a framework to receive uh, the information, right? So uh, it's all around us, right? So I mean, this, I just came back from, again, I've been in seven cities, but I was in Chicago. I was at Wrigley Field for the first time, which was a, was, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and like I was eating a Chicago hot dog, right? You guys know what this is? Chicago hot dog? It's got celery seeds on it, guys. It's molecular gastronomy. If Richard Blaze made a hot dog with celery seeds... People would be like, he's crazy, right? So like, inspiration's all around you. And like, that had my mind turning towards, I'll make an octopus hot dog with celery seed. The relish is nuclear green. Oh my gosh, what else can I make that color? Um, that being said, this is, you know what's been incredibly inspiring? I was on the, what is the name of the app? The who, Is it Whova? Right? I was on that app last night, and you guys all inspired me because I know where you work now. <laughs> uh, and I was like, wow, this is a, a much smarter crowd than I usually talk in front of. Um, but really inspiration is is everywhere. So it might be some barbecue here in Austin before I jump on a plane. I might just uh, run down the river right here. Is it Lady Bird Lake, right? Did I get that right? Something like that. And like there's bats. You know, this bridge has all these bats. Maybe I'll see some bats and I'll be like, maybe I should start cooking bats. (laughs) (laughs) Other question over here. Yes.
1: Uh, Do you consult on concept development?
0: I love to consult on concept development. Uh, Yes, I do. I feel like it's one of my joys and strengths um, is sort of those initial stages of developing an idea. It's something that I really, really love to do. Uh, So I don't know if you want to find me, but like, uh, yeah, we love to do that. Um, It's like like a birth of, you know, a child, quite honestly. So uh, I also love sharing ideas. So besides consulting, just general ideation, brainstorming, Uh, And I love actually working with, you know, companies like yours that already have the framework, right, but that sometimes as I'm now sort of becoming more involved in different parts of my world or in a very corporate environment, sometimes it's that environment that just slows down the ideation because there's just so many things, so many things you have to check off on. There's so much protocol. Um, So for me being just like a dude in skinny jeans sometimes to pop into a big corporate environment, it can shake up some ideas, where you maybe weren't looking, you know, that sort of direction. Yes, right here. Th- thanks, for, thanks for joining. Uh, you hit geofencing. You said you just got a year's worth of data. Yeah. Can you elaborate, like, what was the data? What, how are you using that data? Right, so initially this was, I think it was for my partners to get rid of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but no, it really was, we're growing. So I have, uh, I didn't really talk about my restaurant work. I have well, one restaurant called Crack Shack right now. Uh, which is a chicken and egg concept uh, that we just got done with a series, a raise. We have two locations open, a third opening in uh, two weeks, which makes me super anxious. And then six or seven more that were funded for to grow up the coast of California from San Diego to Santa Barbara at the moment. Uh, and we were just really wanted to get some research on cannibalization, you know, and how close we could open up one location to the next, where our guests were actually driving from, um, you know, again, because our place has a celebrity chef component to it, you know, we also sort of wanted to find out how many people really are coming. And this happens with me, and this is me more of the misery of my life, is, you know, you open up a concept and I help develop it. But then at what point are people coming just for the restaurant or are they coming for the celebrity that was involved for it? So that's where we sort of started open up these, uh, you know, the data that said, no, actually they follow, their top 20 people they follow are celebrity chefs and stuff like that. I don't know if I answered uh, your question. Uh, I was going to throw up some of those uh, screens, but I did not get approval <laughs> to do that uh, just yet. But I can go uh, deeper uh, offline talking about the geofencing. More, a lot of it, too, was... Uh, here's the thing with the geofencing that we found. is So I have a fine dining restaurant that sits right next to a fast, casual restaurant. One place has a $18, $17 check average. One place has a $67 check average. They literally are right next to each other. Right. So one of the other reasons why we did the geofencing, we wanted to find out, is there crossover? Like at what point is this place too expensive for those people? Does that even exist? Um, So for developing price point, we found that the geofencing was crucial, too, because from my fine dining restaurant, we basically, you know, figured out that like it was only the top, you know, two percent of, you know, you know, people with shitload of money, basically, that were coming there. So we could charge whatever we want pretty much for that restaurant, right, or within reason. So it helps sometimes with price point, right? And that was giving us data, you know, family income data, just from pinging their phones in our restaurant, which is incredible. There's a question over here. Yes.
1: Nice glasses. Um, Thank
0: you. Warby (laughs) Parkers, you buy one, they give one back to someone who needs glasses. We spoke earlier. Yes, we did. Yours are nice too.
1: Thank you. appreciate that. It's a nerd moment we're having. Yes. Um, given your experiences on um, Top Chef with uh, yes. shopping in Whole Foods and uh, the decline of restaurant eating and the invasion of people like um, HelloFresh and Blue Apron, etc.
0: Invasion is aggressive.
1: Well, th- they, <laughs> they are teaching a generation to cook, right? Yeah. Um, how, where is the innovation between restaurants and uh, the crossover. I, I know of Snap Kitchen here in the Austin area who mm-hmm. sells their prepared meals into Whole Foods. Right. But what, where's the innovation from restaurants to where people really want to buy food at the end of the day?
0: Uh, where's the... Well, I mean, I just, I'm just i going to be a politician and not answer your question, but sound like I'm answering your question. <laughs> um, I think one thing on the, on the home delivery mode, right? I see some problems in that. Like, I know a lot of people are questioning whether or not that they're being uh, valued correctly, et cetera. And I would, I'm on the side, it might be because I'm biased because I'm a cook, right? But here's what happens. And and, in full disclosure, I run a commercial on my podcast for one of these companies. Um, But when you cook for these home delivery systems, and again, it might be a little skewed because I'm a chef, but when I cook through any of those companies that have the meal prepared kits, right? And you cook through three meals, the challenge for me is that those companies are teaching people how to cook. And if you're half. Intelligent. After your fourth or fifth meal, you start realizing it's not a, It's not. It's taught me how to cook, and now I want to throw chickpeas in there instead of white beans. And I'm smart enough to do that. It gave me all the tools I have. I don't need this anymore. But then you could argue that it's obviously just a shopping. It's a shopping app and a portion control app. Um, but that's where I kind of run into problem with those. It's like I've really found like, and I did them in like a normal would. I would cook through them every step of the way. And they'd be like, oh, this is kind of amazing. It's really, really easy. I get it for people who don't cook. But if I didn't learn how to cook, if I didn't know how to cook, I would be learning how to do it. Uh, I don't know. There's a hybrid answer in there somewhere, I think, is what you're saying. Um, and what is, you know, what is that answer? You know? Is it me showing up to your house? You know? Yes, right. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, or is it a chef showing up to your house? Right? I mean, th- these are some other, there's some other ways to look at it, I think. There was some other, I thought there were some other hands out there we're good now yeah. everyone oh right here i'm sorry it's hard to see with the lights
1: sorry i have a top oh i have more of a top chef question as that's a fan. fine
0: padma's uh padma's <laughs> good looking tom's still grumpy uh i'm just trying to see if i could do the f uh, what's okay. the
1: challenge that stumped you the most or when you know they gave you a challenge you're like oh i don't know how to attack this or i don't know what to make sure
0: that's a good question um i think for me the joy is like i, I mentioned on the consulting side here it really helps me as, I guess, a creative thinker to have a box to play in, right? So to me on Top Chef, as like a competitor, um, I would always be stumped with the, like, and sadly, like usually the last challenges, when the challenges are like, do whatever you want. Show us your dream on a plate. Like, that's a stupid challenge. (laughs) Uh, Because what does that even mean, right? I can do anything. I can't really do anything. I only have five hours, I only have this store to shop from, whatever it is. So the challenges that would stump me would be the ones that had these really dream on a plate sort of challenges. I want to be the guy that says, you can only use these five ingredients. You have an hour and that vending machine because it's a little easier for me to sort of construct sort of an idea when I have a box, right? And consulting, I think this helps me a lot too because you already have your thing. I'm just coming in to sort of figure out a way to possibly do it better or different or make it more of an experience. I thought there was... Over here, yes, sir.
1: Is there any technology you're seeing that is for the in-store experience, so after the customer's ordered, so that they have a more thorough experience and then they're more enticed to come back a second time while they're already in your restaurant?
0: Right. um, Not that I'm aware of. I know a lot of people probably do. But, you know, going back to the, the picture with the family on their phones, right. Right, so... They're on their phone, so there's probably a way to sort of, you know, communicate with them or or reward their experience in the restaurant. I mean, we talked about augmented reality. Pokemon Go is augmented reality, right? You know, why is that? Can I find Richard Blaze in the restaurant? I want to hunt him down. I want to... There he is. Um, uh, The other thing... Now, here's something... It's kind of a sideways answer to this question. Why do... For a restaurant that has a sit-down element to it, right? Why... Are we ordering? Why can't we order before we show up to the restaurant? You know, I'm using more of the fine dining example, but it's about a 30-minute window of nonsense that happens when you arrive at a restaurant. Someone says hello, okay. (laughs) Someone seats you. You wait. You know. Then you get sat. Then your server has to go find your table. Let's say that that's just generally 30 minutes. The menu's done at four o'clock. I'm talking about fine dining, but really any restaurant. The menu's done at four o'clock. Why can't I just I want the restaurant experience. This is a hybrid. What I'm saying is I want the restaurant. I do want to sit down. I want to look at you. I want to have a conversation with you. But I don't want the bullshit 30 minutes in the beginning, right? So why can't I just order at a a restaurant before I get there? And then it's like, oh, yeah, here you go. You're supposed to show up at 430. Great, you did. Just like we all show up to where we got to go. And your food's uh, now it's two minutes out. It's three minutes out because we cooked it earlier. I mean, we're doing this on the delivery side, but there's not a lot of people doing it on the in-store experience side, which I would personally, I value my time, you know, I don't have time, you don't have time, you're all busy and successful, so like shave off some, some of that experience in the restaurant uh, Austin, Texas, thank you so much, enjoy the rest of your show Wow, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that special episode of Starving for Attention live in Austin, Texas for the National Restaurant Association. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our sponsors who make this possible. So Disney World Parks, oh my gosh. I can't even believe uh, that we're getting to read uh, Disney World Parks sort of uh, ad space. And uh, you can plan your next adventure today. Uh, we got to go to WDW together, Jasmine. That's something we have to do. Uh, and True car, listen, visit True car for a better car buying. Experience. You know, you can buy used or used cars now uh, using TrueCar. Thank you so much again to our sponsors, Disney World Parks and TrueCar. Uh, you keep the lights on here for starving for attention. Don't forget to um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app. Maybe even give us a rating or a review or something like that. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or Podcast1.com. Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger. I used to host the Art of Charm podcast, but now it's time for something new. The Jordan Harbinger Show. Did you know you can be entertained and actually get a boost in your life at the same time? On this show, we dig into the superpowers of the world's most interesting thinkers and top talents. Then we deliver them to you right into your ears. But I get it. We're not all superheroes. That's why we give you their blueprint so you can live what you listen. After a thousand interviews, learning five languages, and getting arrested in a country that doesn't even exist anymore, I'm now more ready than ever to introduce you to The Jordan Harbinger Show. Listen free to the Jordan Harbinger show, available on Apple Podcasts, podcast1.com and the Podcast One app.